Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 201 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week I was joined by a photographer who recently won the 2020 Photograph of the Year from International Landscape Photographer of the Year, Kai Hornung. Kai is a German photographer who has recently burst onto the scene, having just begun his pursuits in 2016. What he has been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time is nothing short of impressive. Kai and I covered some really interesting topics this week, including his journey into landscape photography, winning the Photograph of the Year award, why we enter photography competitions, the inherent flaws in existing competitions, his methods of personal expression in photography, transitioning to more intimate photography from epic grand scenics, we talk about nature first photography, and lots more. Over on Patreon this week, Kai and I discussed the growing demand for photography critiques and his blog post, Why I Say No. Lastly, I wanted to remind listeners that my good friend Gary Randall still has some outstanding workshop openings for his 2021 Columbia River Gorge workshops. You could not meet a nicer guy than Gary. He's also quite legendary, and he's possibly one of the most knowledgeable photographers when it comes to the Columbia River Gorge which also happens to be one of my favorite places in North America. You can check it out by going to gary-randall.com or following the link in the show notes. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Kai Hornug, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Such a great honor. Thanks. Yes, I've uh, I've been admiring your photography uh, for a while now, and I've Really enjoy just engaging with you in conversation on social media. And I think having this podcast conversation is, is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I mean, you, your voice sounds so familiar to me already because I've been listening to <laughs> so many episodes of your podcast. So it's kind of kind of weird to finally be talking to you in person. It is kind of, I've, I hear that every once in a while and it's always funny because it's, because I don't have the benefit on the other side of I that, know. you know? So, so hopefully that plays to my advantage though, because you feel like you know me. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> cool. Awesome, man. Well, for, for people that uh, aren't aware of you and your photography, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into photography. Yeah, Sure. Uh, well, my name is uh, yeah Kai Hornung, and I'm a German landscape photographer. So mind my accent and my ams that come up quite frequently in those sorts of conversations. Um, I started landscape photography in 2016. Oh, I was on a business trip to Ireland and had the first experience out in nature with my camera. And, uh, well, never looked back from there and um, got, got hooked and turned my... My free time, my hobby uh, into a side job and uh, love being outside, love spending time uh, outside, being out with the camera, capturing um, stuff that I find attractive and then later turn it into something in the digital darkroom. Yeah. What is it that you do uh, in your uh, professional career? Yeah. My main job is uh, human resources consultant. Oh, okay. And, uh, cool. I work, work full time. So photography is my side gig. Uh, like the days right now look like uh, or mostly 10-hour shifts in my regular job. Then I come home. Oh, no, I'm, I am home. I mean, it's COVID days. So right. it's home office most of the time. Uh, in parallel, I have two kids uh, with 10 years old and 13 years old. So homeschooling is a big issue too. 
And then aside from that, a couple of hours of photography business mostly at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, not so much creative time. Uh, I hope I can get back to that. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I have a 13-year-old myself. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about your experience in Ireland. What what was it about that initial experience in the outdoors that that kicked everything off for you? What, what was that experience like? Well, um I, I was invited to help uh, installing an apprenticeship program for the uh, insurance industry in Ireland. And I was at a meeting in the evening at Sligo, the West Coast. And um, my my colleague from Ireland, uh, I, I asked her, well, could, could we just sneak out here for, for some time? Because I know when sunset is and I would like to go to the coast somewhere, anywhere, just take me there. <laughs> I have my camera gear with me and let's just see what happens. And we went there and um, the Irish coast is really something and uh, – it was the first time I was standing at the Irish coast because I w it was a really short trip, just I think three, maybe four days. And um, I stood there and just enjoyed the, the peaceful silence and seeing the, the crashing waves underneath me. And man, that felt so good. And I mean, all you guys listening, you know how it is when you're outside and you just enjoy being there and you kind of zoom out, like the, having a Zen moment in a usually pretty busy everyday life. And every time, ever since, try to get back to those moments, and those are the best. Yeah, had you not uh, had you not experienced those kinds of moments before that, or? Um, well, my life before was um, well, well, how to describe? In 2016, I was sort of recovering from a breakup, and uh, which ultimately ended in a divorce. Mm -hmm. So those are not the fun times in your life, and it certainly right. wasn't for me. <laughs> And uh, that was in 2015, actually, when that happened. So I needed about a year to sort of resettle and, and get get things going for myself. Before, I was a, a family man. I mean, two kids, a house, a job, wonderful family. And from the outside looking in, it looked like a perfect family. And you know how it is sometimes from the inside looking out. it's uh, Things turn <laughs> can turn bad. Uh, unfortunately and, and they did in, in in our relationship so uh long story short um I, I was my hobby back then was mostly being in a band which i still am singing in a band being creative there uh watching soccer games uh, and just enjoy life and, and when going on vacation it was mostly hanging out on the beach pretty lazy and uh sort of a reboot with with me discovering photography in 2016 and then getting a completely different feel for nature maybe not completely different but a much more aware uh feel for my surrounding you know how it is when when you start looking for potential images you you suddenly start noticing how clouds shape uh, how the light builds up and and, and dies down in the, the end of the day those things you, you just take for granted when you're not care about that. And I suddenly did did not take that for granted anymore and um, became much more sensitive to stuff. And I, I think it changed my life for the better, certainly. I, feel, I hear this kind of story a lot, like something yeah, negative, negative happens in people's life and then photography and the outdoors is kind of there to to like provide different perspective and almost, you know, completely change change the way you see the world mm -hmm. 
I did. I mean, for some, it feels like it, it, it's a way of healing. I never considered it that way because I, I, I didn't think like I needed something to heal. It, it was just something to keep me occupied, but it also slowed me down in a way. And, and that felt good and gave me a re-evaluation. Um, material things didn't matter to me that much anymore. And it just gave a different spin. And I'm, uh, I'm grateful for having taken that road. Yeah. Well, cool. So one of the things that immediately struck struck me about you was kind of the the meteoric rise of you as a photographer. I mean, you started taking pictures in 2016 and here you are in 2021 with 126,000 uh, followers on Instagram and you've just won photograph of the year with International Landscape Photographer of the Year. Uh, that's, you know, five, not even five full years of photography and you're already, some would say, at the top of the game. And I, that, <laughs> to me, that's really interesting. <laughs> um, well, first of all, thanks for those kind words. Uh, I, I, I don't consider myself being on top of the game. Um, when, we, when we settled for this date here, I was like, oh, am I even worthy being on this show? Because you, you have like all those fantastic people on here. So I, I don't consider myself being on top there, but it's certainly uh, great and a great feeling to, um, to be sort of known. And um, about the time, it, it always felt kind of natural to me when when things happened and i i don't think it happened it, at least to me it didn't feel like it happened out of nowhere but then again what looking <laughs> trying to step away from myself and just look from the outside you're right i mean within four years that's kind of strange and um I, I i never considered that this could be happening and i didn't start photography to have this sort of thing happening it just kind of evolved and um I'm, I'm incredibly thankful that that i am where i'm right now Although all yeah. those accolades, I mean, they feel nice. But what I discovered within the last, especially two, maybe one or two years, is um, finding a balance in being creative and how much I enjoy being creative and doing what I do. And that, that's, that means so much more than winning a contest or having this and that numbers uh, on Instagram, which certainly help uh, as a business side. So ultimately, I could turn my photography into a side business. I, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise, but it's it's not my my driving force. Hmm. Well, I, I love to hear that. I think oftentimes we see people that get so caught up in kind of that whole process of feeding yeah. the ego, and yeah. you know that's totally natural. I think we all fall prey to that to some degree. But I think when you are honest about what it is you actually get out of photography and what it means to you, and for you, you know, it being an outlet to be creative and express yourself, I think that's a really grounded approach that's going to sustain you for a long time. I hope so. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've seen friends or people that I know that kind of burned out, especially on how they worked, <laughs> quote marks, worked Instagram, and then <laughs> chasing those numbers it, it burns you out, and I think it's the wrong motivation. I, I started a bit like that too in the beginning trying to be successful there whatever that is <laughs> and <laughs> right. it, it did it didn't i don't know it, it didn't satisfy me that much and i think it was in 2018 my numbers were grown back then on a level where was i 15000 maybe 18000 i don't know and then uh, i had a, a stretch of maybe 2 weeks and i was i was uploading every day and i was checking my numbers and all those sort of things that 
many people do. And within a two week span, I fell completely flat. No, nobody saw my images and anything. I started Googling shadow ban that even exists and all those things. And, and I was right. like, uh, well, what the heck? I mean, it, it's completely out of my hands what happens there. So uh, why even worry? And ultimately, I started uploading images that I kind of knew would suck numbers-wise. And, uh, and they, so they did. And I didn't really, I mean, it, I didn't care. Is I mean, we all have our egos, right? Uh, if we didn't, we wouldn't even show our images. So... Uh, but this being said, um, I didn't care that much that it prevented me from uploading those those more abstract images. Sure. And what I found is there were a few people that actually cared. And the way some people commented or got reached out to me with messages or anything, that felt so much better than having a light, light count go up. And yeah, absolutely. that, that kind of I mean, settled me. And, that's, and that feels good. Yeah, that's... Uh, that- pure authentic engagement mm-hmm. where you're actually connecting with people and having meaningful conversations is a lot more important in my opinion than exactly. like oh I have 10,000 people liked my photo like I don't even care about that personally I'd rather have 10 people like my photo but then nine of them leave like a really interesting comment you know Exactly yeah and <laughs> you just said it authenticity uh, I think that's that's something that's maybe lacking within the media industry sometimes. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, I, I sometimes I frown when I, when I read on – I don't spend that much time on Facebook because I usually end up being depressed by reading some comments uh, in, in any uh, post or whatever. But I, I sometimes frown when I read people saying, well, numbers uh, are all wrong. It's not about numbers. And then – one or two days later, you see themselves ce- celebrating. Well, finally, 15K subs. Well, thanks, guys. And I, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I never, ever posted anything celebrating a number. It's not that I don't care about my numbers, but it kind of feels awkward to me to say, well, thank you, 100,000K. Um, oh, no, that's not that much. 100K. You know? <laughs> sure. Um, but you get my point. Because what does that say? Am I celebrating a number? I mean, I'm com- – totally aware that Chinese click farms are providing several bot accounts which follow you. And I don't know how many actual people follow my account. I hope it's not, uh, it, it's some, I know it's some, but it's certainly not 126,000. So what would I be celebrating? A number? And does it say anything about the quality? I mean, there's so many fantastic photographers outside which have maybe... 2,000 followers or whatever, and that doesn't say anything about the quality. Yeah, so what do you think drives that? Because, you know, I've been on Instagram since, God, 2013, 2012 maybe? And mm-hmm. I don't even remember. And I think up until three years ago, I was under 1,000 people or something. I mean, it wasn't – It and I, I can't really say there's all, like, very concrete things that I've done to grow my – Instagram, like, what would you say drove your growth, if anything? Yeah, I, I think it all started when I went on my first uh, one-week photo tour back in 2017 to the Dolomites. Mm-hmm. And I just went there because I wanted to see this place for myself and obviously photograph. And back then, I mean, that's just about one and a half years after starting photography. So obviously, I was taking those 
shots that everybody else does. And Instagram people, the, the broad audience usually loves popular stuff, just like listening to the music charts, right? I mean, it's the popular stuff that lands on top of the hit parade or top of the pops. And it's kind of the same with Instagram. It doesn't really um, applaud the really unique creative stuff, not that much at least, but it really shows around the stuff that's already liked. And when I was uploading images from Tre Chime, the, the, uh, those iconic mountains from the Dolomites, that those images got around. And so I think my numbers started to grow and also being active, uploading every day, and then being active in Instagram stories when that came up. I think that helped driving traffic and engagement. And then people yeah. noticed, I think, when, when they reached out to me, I still to this day, whenever somebody writes me, I reply. <laughs> I was brought up that way. When somebody talks to you, you, you talk back. Right, it's on the same. <laughs> yeah, see? I mean, we're old-fashioned, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, or we're, I don't know. Like, I, whenever I leave a comment or at least, you know, more than just like a eggplant emoji, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, if it's a thoughtful comment, I expect a reply. And then when I don't get one, it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to bother leaving a comment if you're not going to yeah. respond to it. Um, so interestingly, though, what I like what you just said, though, is that, it seems like, you know, that number, it really doesn't mean anything to you um, in terms of, you know, yeah, it's 126,000 followers, but who knows, maybe there's only 25 of those are actual people uh, <laughs> or, you know, a yeah. couple yeah, yeah, thousand yeah, maybe. I, but, but I mean, so, to, to, be, to I, clarify this, I mean, artistically, it doesn't mean anything to me, but business-wise, totally. I, know, I know it is a factor. I mean, when I reach out to a rental company in Iceland and I, uh, I need to book a a truck to go to the highlands. Um, it definitely helps to have an audience like this because then you can work with a rental company. Um, if I didn't have those numbers, they probably wouldn't 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 collaborate with me. So of course it helps, but um, that's business. And the other thing that that's my main motivation is being creative and work as an artist. Yeah, let's talk about that. I'm curious um, what is what is driving that for you. What is keeping that in terms of a motivation for you? Um, like, what are you getting out of that creative outlet? Mm -hmm. I think it was last year. Um, I was, I was walking along with my son who is 13 now and, um, I, he, he loves drawing and I did too when I was a boy and I asked him, well, you know, when are you the happiest when you finish your image, when you show it around or when you make your image? And he smiled at me and he said, well, dad, when I am drawing, then I'm the happiest. And I smiled back and I said, well, I'm exactly the same. When I'm out shooting and when I'm on the computer and editing my images, that's when I feel the most satisfaction. Um, I didn't realize that when I was starting out because um, once you show your images and sometimes positive feedback can even be worse than um, critique <laughs> because because you, you kind of want those claps on your back, right? And you It feels good and you want that again. It's the dopamine that uh, drives you and that can misguide you I think and um, at, at one point like like that uh, moment I, I told you about when those numbers stalled and, and later I, I was like well what what makes you really happy about this and it is the it's creating it is and I mean I'm 45 years old so I'm I'm not a young gun anymore and um, I, I have seen some ups and downs in my life and life of others and 
I have been creative. I, I, like I just said, I started drawing as a boy and I started writing little clumsy poems when I was a teenager and trying to cope with my first heartache. Then I formed a band with my uh, school friends and uh, I've been playing in a band since I've, I was 17, writing lyrics, singing. So uh, being creative has always been a big, big and very important part of my life. And I think that kind of keeps me in balance and, and realizing that this is exactly the same with photography, being creative and what this means to my life. I think this keeps me kind of grounded and, uh, yeah, I always say in balance. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good segue to talk about competitions um, mm -hmm. because I always find it um, interesting um, when, you know, you hear about people talking about, like you're saying, like, I I'm really, I get the most enjoyment out of being creative about mm -hmm. the process. I don't really care if people like my photography, um, but, but, and I, I'm kind of but, the same way, yeah. but we enter, we enter competitions, yes. right? We want to know. It's completely like, hypocrite, isn't it? It kind of feels like it is a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. Um, so, so obviously, you know, you um, won the photograph of the year in the international landscape photographer of the year competition for 2020. And, um, uh, I guess my first question I had for you, and we'll, we'll get back to kind of the why, but you know, what, what did winning mean to you? <laughs> it's, it's, it still feels like I have to pinch myself that, that my image actually won that competition because it still feels completely unreal. So, um, yeah, we, we can talk about why entering a contest later, but what does it mean to me? It's, it's a great, it's, it's a happy feeling. Uh, when I when I got the notification, and first of all, I got an email which told me, "Well, you want something, but we won't tell you what it is. You are one of the I don't know twelve people that want anything." And you know, there's two categories, and there's a place one to three, and then I think there's five or whatever um, categories: best night image or whatever. And I was like, "Oh wow, maybe I have third place in in, in the image or, or whatever." And I thought, like, "Well, this is so cool." Um, my main motivation to enter that contest was to get back into the book, which I did for the very first time the year before. And for me, this contest, the International Landscape Photograph Photographer of the Year Awards, to me, that's like the Oscars for the uh, landscape um, community. Because it, I mean, you can you can you can argue however much you like the images that are in there, but within the one hundred and one best images that are chosen there. I think the quality level is incredible. And to just have one single image in that book is just fantastic. And that was my motivation to get in there. And then <laughs> waking up that night and finding so many messages on my phone of people congratulating me, I was like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> so I checked I checked the, the message and I got the mail. Well, you won the photo contest. And I was like, what the hell? I think it was, I don't know, one in the morning or something. And I stayed up the next three hours because my adrenaline level was just really high. That felt really good. Still does. Absolutely. When you when you had entered um, in previous years before you had actually gotten mm -hmm. into the book, what was that your main motivation was to try to get into the book, or was there something else driving driving your desire to enter the contest? Well, first of all, um, I think it's a really two sided affair to even enter a contest because. First of all, I think that art isn't meant to be uh, ranked. I mean, just remember when you go into the to a museum, I've never seen a chart list there. 
of, <laughs> of images being ranked. I mean, Mark Rothko there is on number 13. And there you have Salvador Dali. He's on 14. And it doesn't make sense. It's I mean, when you would just think about this, it's uh, you can't stop laughing about it because it, it's just utter nonsense. So ranking art, it's not meant to be that way. But so why do we enter contests still? Um, that's the hypocrite side, right? I mean, I just said I don't care about numbers. And then again, I do enter contests. Yes, um, because there's also a competitive side of me. And I, mm -hmm. I won't deny that. Um, and entering images in a contest and seeing where this goes, it's I'm just curious to see what happens. And then, of course, there's a side for... Um, I. I I tried to make my photography earn itself, which means uh, my expenses that I have for photography, my main goal was to cover it with the income I generate from photography. Sure. And I knew that for some, to, to get to some level, you need references, um, either by having um, well-known customers or, for example, winning contests. And so I entered contests like the Sony Awards. <clears throat> I was lucky to have um, a few images shortlisted last year, the panel awards, um, and of course, the um, Landscape Photography Awards. So entering there, I was hoping to maybe score somewhere, be named, maybe get my name around around to help my photography business. And oh, that makes, yeah, totally, yeah, I mean, incredibly lucky that, that I succeeded. I think that's a valid, especially if you're not well established yet, I think that's a totally valid um, reason for entering mm -hmm. a competition, if you, th especially if you feel like you have a okay chance at at least, you know, getting some form of recognition, whether it be like, you know, like you're saying, like the top 100 or something, something of that nature. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but you never I know mean, if you're going to score, right? I mean, and with my photography photography friends, <laughs> I always used to say competitions are shit unless you win it. <laughs> and that's just how it is. I mean, you know how it is. You, you get um, the the results are published, and you're not named. That's right. usually what it is. And you feel like, oh well, okay, at least I tried. And then you look at the, some images that scored, and you go like, mm, okay, I, I think I should. I could have scored two, maybe. And and then you this this envy maybe comes in, and it's not a positive feeling. But I think us humans. Um, it creeps into the minds of all of us sometimes. So that's just how we are, I guess. Yeah. And in some ways though, I think, you know, like you're saying you're competitive. I'm also competitive. I think when you don't make the short list or whatever, or you don't get recognized, sometimes that can motivate you to, to push yourself even harder to improve your photography. I don't know if that was mm -hmm. the case for you, but that was certainly the case for me after entering the first few competitions that I entered probably, I don't know, three or four years ago. It's like, Okay, I didn't do well. What do I need to do to improve my photography? It's still kind of like a lottery, though. I mean, it, it's once you you have your images on a on a level where at least you're not making those technical mistakes anymore in the field or in the editing process. Um, sometimes it's more like uh, kind of a lottery if you win or not. I mean, I, I have the book of the competition right next to me, and there are so many amazing images. I would choose right in front of my images any second because I think they're so much better than my image. I wouldn't give away <laughs> the first place. I'm not, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me here, but um, there's so many fantastic images and they would all be worthy winners for sure. So it's it's luck and I'm 
I'm happy it chose me that time. My 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> well, one other interesting aspect of, you know, International Landscape Photographer of the Year and also Epson Panel Awards, uh, some things that I've kind of noticed trends in those two competitions over the last three or four years is, uh, you know, what you see a lot of is kind of images that kind of consistently win are from very similar locations with similar conditions and mm -hmm. similar compositions. Do you feel that there's a lack of creativity among some of the chosen images in those competitions? You could argue that. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I saw some, um, I, I think Sarah Marino uh, started an, um, a discussion on Facebook, which was Kind of interesting. I refrained from uh, entering that discussion, though. <laughs> but I read some <laughs> some some opinions, and um, that's perfectly fine. I mean, um, first of all, the, the three people that are ranked one, two, three in the photographer of the year uh, section, I I, I kind of know those people um, one more than the other, and um, they're all great. I was still kind of surprised that the, the style of those images are kind of similar. Mm -hmm. And I think looking into the book, I mean, there's certainly much more diversity inside the entire gallery of the 101 best images. And maybe, yeah, maybe you could have chosen at least one different style in the first three. Um, but I mean, it's ultimately, it's the judge's choice and who will question that? And um, regarding the, the style, you had Adam Gibbs, which is more, a more naturalist style. Yes. And then... I think several years ago, Max Reef from the Netherlands won. And I mean, he's not really a documentarian either, right? So uh, <laughs> the discussion for how much editing goes into images, I know that's that's a that's a discussion that's been led passionately, but it is what it is. I mean, it's it's a choice of some people. And I think overall with the the best images, the best 100, in my opinion, they did a good a good job. I think what's interesting about competitions that don't have those constraints in place in terms of what is or isn't allowed in terms of editing or, you mm -hmm. know, drastically misrepresenting a scene in terms of like warping mountains and yeah. doing extreme focal length blends and things like that is that it, when those type, when that type of work gets awarded year after year, it pushes more and more people in that direction in terms of, well, if that's what's winning awards, then I need to do that as well. And um, I'm not necessarily sure that that's ultimately, you know, great for landscape photography in terms of wanting to see a diversity of create creative um, styles. Mm -hmm. uh, like I'd like to see a more round representation of, Let's see those di those crazy digital artist manipulations. Yeah. Also, yeah, that's cool. But then let's let's also see the Adam Gibbs type stuff um, mm -hmm. celebrated. Um, so I think I think there's room for for a competition that kind of celebrates a different style. And I know we talked a little bit before we were recording and should be announced before this is recorded, but or mm -hmm. released. But I'm you know I'm partnering with. Uh, Tim Parkin and Alex Nail and Rajas Jodhiswaran to create a competition that has a little bit more constraint in terms of, of what what it is we're looking for to kind mm -hmm. of award and would celebrate. Not saying that it's better. Uh, we just, I think, 
over the last several years, we're seeing that style of photography get kind of elevated to kind of be standardized in terms of what people are looking for on social media, what people look for in magazines, mm -hmm. what people are looking for for competitions. And I think we're seeing kind of that more natural representation of, of the landscape style kind of fall to the wayside a little bit. Not me and lots of other people have kind of expressed that. I think, I think you saw a Facebook <laughs> a conversation from Suzanne Mathia where she was, she kind of expressed some of that frustration from her perspective. And I think there was like 300 comments on that thread. <laughs> so I think there is um, some desire out there for people to see kind of different styles of photography be celebrated as well. I absolutely welcome diversity. So um, yeah. for, for you guys starting this competition, I think it's awesome because it opens an, a, another door And I think that's all. That's that's great too. I mean, there's so many, so many rights in art, and there's um, usually things have gone bad in in human history when people decided what is right art or what is wrong art. So I think there's places for everything, and I highly welcome you guys setting up this uh, competition to to give more room for this other side. Then again, I think sometimes, I mean, that that's a positive to give room for that and to have a competition there i think that's fantastic and uh, especially that you guys put so much work into that with sometimes following along those discussions i sometimes think we inside our photography bubble we 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 tend to get so serious about things that don't really matter to other people and that maybe don't really matter at all and sometimes i, I know just think, it's so funny i i always self-reflect on that for myself when i find myself getting kind of worked up about yeah. something in photography and then i'm like you know there's probably other things that are more important to worry about like you know peace and war and famine yeah. and yeah. the economy do, do your <laughs> does your, does your kid care about your photography not really <laughs> Mine neither. See, I mean, they they, they think, oh, yeah, you're famous on Instagram. I mean, for for the, those kids, numbers <laughs> matter. Unfortunately, they think right. it's it's great to have high numbers, and I I try to teach them it's not. But right. um, other than that, they don't care about my image as much, and I think that's Same. a healthy approach. And I, and also the everyday life people that surround me, my family or my friends in everyday life, they are usually not photographers, and they don't give a crap about what is done there. Totally. Um, Same way. In fact, it's like a running joke in my house it? with my friends and family. <laughs> like, because, you know, inevitably someone will ask, like, how's it going with your photography? And then, you know, you get excited because you want to tell people yeah. what's going on. But then you can see, like, when your kind of time has expired, mm -hmm. like, okay, we've heard enough about that. Let's move yeah, on. To exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so familiar. You can, you can read on their heads. It's like, yes. why did I ask him? He doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's but, a joke but, with uh, with my, my best friend um, and my wife. Like, they just make fun of me all the time. Like, oh, have you ever heard of Matt Payne photography? Like, they just, they love wow. to make fun of me all the time. That's and it's mean. it's good because it, it puts me in my place. That keeps me humble. <laughs> That's good. But back to that um, discussion, there's one th thing I would like to add, uh, add to that is uh, I, at one point, Uh, because sometimes natural photographers who don't uh, like manipulation in their images, which is perfectly fine to me. I think everybody has its lines where you say, well, I don't swap skies. I think the last time I did was probably two or three years ago because sure. I don't find satisfaction in doing that. But I'm perfectly fine with others 
going for that. But sometimes I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of amused to see hardcore uh, naturalist photographers really discussing this matter because then I think I've never heard Mark Adams or those guys complain that they're on the other hand are two natural images. You know what I mean? I mean, the natural photographers, they go like, oh, there's too much editing in, let's say, for example, the Mark Adams shots. I've never heard from that side that much passion in, in going, well, there's too much natural uh, stuff in the other images. So I think people should just relax sometimes. Oh, yeah, I get that. I think um, on the human psychological level, though, there's especially when you're talking about competitions and, you know, the difference between winning an award um, and elevating your photographic career and gaining clients and selling workshops. Um, People want it fair, right? And, and they, they think they're not uh, treated fairly, maybe. But then again, I mean, look at Pablo Picasso. I mean, the way he drew um, image, uh, people, I mean, this this crazy style, you hardly can, <laughs> can recognize those figures as being humans. And he was maybe the the most popular um, painter in the world. I mean, what, was that fair to naturalists? It's just it's just art, and and all you can argue about is do you like it or, or you don't. That's how yeah. I approach images. Either I like it or I don't. I get that. I think for me, I'm less. I don't. I care much less about the image that's been highly manipulated and all of that than I do about the way that um, photographers portray the, that final product as representing something that it, that it didn't. Um, you, 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 you see that a lot in, yeah. in the, the people that present that type of manipulated work where they, they kind of over glorify the experience that they had and how, you know, the clouds were just in the most perfect position and oh my God, the sunset was incredible. Oh, yeah. And like the way that they talk about the experience of creating the image, which for me as a person who loves nature and being outside, like that connects to me when someone starts talking that way, like mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've, I've had those experiences myself. And then when you come to find out, like none of that was actually something yeah. they experienced at all. To me, that's where that kind of disingenuous. Yeah. Dishonesty, aspect, right? Yeah, yeah. It's dishonesty. And that, that's the part. I, I really don't care if people do it or not. To me, it's that kind of disingenuous representation of the final image that yeah. really grates on me. Yeah, uh, I'm absolutely with you there. It's authenticity, um, like we said earlier. Yeah, true. And I, I mean, honestly, though, I know people say like, "Oh, no one, no one does that anymore. No one lies about their photos." But it's like, mm. well, they don't, they don't say like, they don't come out and say this was a this was a single exposure straight out of camera. But yeah. but when you read their descriptions, I mean, you can see it time and time again with some of the people that you've mentioned and some of the photographers I know you're referencing as well in terms of competition winners, if you read their descriptions, they are very um, liberal in terms of how they describe the experience. Mm -hmm. And you know that, well, I guess you can't say you know, but knowing that per that person's photography, you kind of question, like, was that really what they experienced or not? I don't, I, I just don't know anymore, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's um, the same um, when you have an experience with a photographer, and and I, <laughs> I remember a few occasions where I really liked the work of the photographer, just to find out that the dude is just an idiot <laughs> from personal conversation, and that that completely killed it for me. And hmm, yeah, I, no, I, I, I can't, I cannot admire a work of a person who is 
an idiot who's just unfriendly, totally arrogant, dishonest or whatever. It just completely kills it for me. And um, yeah, th and in that sense, I'm a, <laughs> I'm very human. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that don't like my photography because I'm opinionated and I express my opinion openly and freely, which is totally fine. You know, you know, they may not see me in a positive way that way, but I don't know. I, I just, I'm passionate about landscape photography. I'm passionate about my beliefs. I'm not afraid to express them. I try to do it in a way that doesn't. And you, you are know, authentic in that way. And I, I truly appreciate it. And I mean, you, you can, I think that what, which get lost a lot in social media nowadays is the willingness to have a true discussion. And I'm in, in, for me, a discussion has different opinions. Yeah. And not just, and not just screaming. I mean, uh, for God's sake, we, we have, have a different administration in your country right now because that was leading by wrong example, in my opinion. So maybe we get back to normally talking again, to exchanging opinions. And I mean, we don't necessarily have to agree with the other person, but why not listen and maybe right. learn a thing here and there? I mean, that that's what growth for, for people means. And sometimes, especially in, in social media, that gets lost. And that's that's usually when I'm out. I'm out of those discussions <laughs> when I when I when people start yelling their opinions. That's usually when I get quiet and right. ultimately leave. No, that yeah, I get that. For me, it's like I maybe it's the psychology guy in me, but I'm always like I try to back off a little and try to understand where mm -hmm. is this anger coming from. You know, is yeah. it, do they feel like they were personally attacked? Because that's never really my intention. You know, when I'm trying to have a conversation about you know the philosophical merits of different styles of photography or whatever like and to your point like really is it that important at the end of the day probably not i think we the reason why photographers i think elevate it to this level of importance is because you know different people you know feel passionately about it because it affects their livelihood and affects yeah. their reputations and affects their ability to get business and things like that so i think mm -hmm. That's why it feels um, impassioned for some people on the natural side of things, I would say. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to your point, let's have some civil conversations about this stuff. You know, it's it's not yeah, about who's right exactly. or wrong. It's exactly. trying to understand different perspectives. I, I love that. And I mean, you can still be passionate about things, uh, but still listen to others, right? I mean, that's absolutely. what you're doing with all your podcast shows. You listen to people. You're, yeah, we'll you're absolutely passionate about what you're doing. You're passionate about photography. So are we. But you ask, you listen, and that's great. Well, man, speaking of, that brings me to an area of conversation that I wanted to have with you. Something that you have on your website um, that really caught my attention. And that is that, again, I'm kind of struck by how, how short amount of time you've been a photographer and how wise you seem in terms of how pure your experience is as a photographer. I love this. But you, you talk about for you how I'm just old and wise. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, you talk about how for you um photography is a means of personal expression and, and that the mm -hmm. photographs that 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 uh that you make where you feel like the results are good is it's because you have been able to express yourself personally and that's something that i've always struggled with uh, myself as a landscape photographer and i was curious um what are what are the methods that you use for personal expression through photography oh that's a that's a 
big and deep question. Uh, it's kind of kind of hard to articulate, actually. Um, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I, I could give this question back to you to just get some time to think. Oh, but, I see um, how it is. Uh, you can uh, if you want. If you want to go there, I mean, I have, have a little time do, do, to it. Do you have an answer? Well, for me, um, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I would say my answer would land on kind of two two areas. First of first is that for me, any personal expression that I have through my photography is usually um, it's usually an experiential expression mm -hmm, exactly. meaning that it's um i'm trying to express what it was like for me to be in that moment in time and to experience what i experienced in nature or whatever i whatever i witnessed and i think that's probably why my my opinion on kind of the more natural style of photography is so as great as it is because mm -hmm. i i find that the more that we detract from that experience the harder it is for me to have a relationship with with photography as an art form when we start deviating mm -hmm. from experience um and so i think that's for me that's the main area where i find myself personally expressing myself through photography but then i will also say i'll be the first to admit that sometimes i find myself sometimes the things that i'm trying to personally express through my photography it's somewhat contrived trying too hard like mm, is that really what i was trying to express or am i just trying to attach personal expression to a photograph that maybe isn't that good. So I don't know if you've ever had that experience or not, but I often find that I'm trying to express something when really there was nothing to express at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, maybe this comes back to my music side because I've always been intuitively working. Uh, I, I'm, I don't even know that much about notes, which is kind of strange for somebody who's been singing in bands for several years. Um, I, I, I was kind of feeling eased when I heard that Michael Stipe from R.E.M., he doesn't know notes either. So I was like, okay, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Which comes back to writing own vocal lines and lyrics. It's it's something that happened out of, with music mostly, just like this flow state of mind. That's usually when it's best. In writing lyrics, when I was younger, usually it's my most miserable moments. I always felt the most creative to to write luckily or or um fortunately <laughs> i i don't have to get into those dark moments now to be creative in photography it's more like in relaxed zen state but when i'm out in the field it's it's what feels good to me and realizing that i just let go and and see what attracts me and not caring about is that is that really an image right now is there something that can turn into something just doing it that realizing that this makes sense to me felt made me feel good about this and i think that's that's where my personal expression comes through just working intuitively in the field and then later while editing although i have to admit that mostly those images that i take there don't need that much editing anymore right um, when i when i started with photography it was i i I learned landscape photography. You take a foreground, middle ground, and you have a sky, and you need this and that. And later I found out, well, um, actually always having a dramatic sky doesn't really help an image because usually it just distracts. You look at the clouds, and that's not what the image is about. So when I teach photography to my students, I <laughs> I usually go, uh, it's it's great that you, that you have a boring sky here because then you can focus on the main subject of the image. And then 
a story is when I was in Iceland last summer. Many people say, well, why do you go to Iceland? It's been shot to death. And I, I strongly disagree because I think there's just oh an gosh. inexhaustible well of, of, of possible photographs there. And I know, I it's went, amazing. It is. It definitely is. And um, I still feel this great attraction and excitement once I'm even at a famous place. So I went to Godafoss the first time. It's mm -hmm. a famous waterfall in the north. And um, there's huge parking lots on both sides. So it's it's actually a really, it's a turn off for nature enthusiasts because it's just so easy to reach. And it's so highly touristic. So ultimately, I went down with my travel partner, Michael, and we took those images that you are, pro that probably everybody's taking there wide right. angle and then stowed in the foreground and everything. And I have one that turned out pretty nice, but it, it didn't feel, or I didn't feel that great excitement to take those images. It felt nice. And I, I was blown away by the beauty of the place, but photography wise, and going back to working intuitively, I, I took my tail lens and zoomed into this cascading water where the water broke and fell down with light hitting that little rim. And, Framing that and, and photographing that, that felt really exciting. And, and I felt like I discovered this, this tiny fraction of this place that probably nobody cares about, but I framed it here and I find it highly, highly satisfying to capture this. And this is when a image turns into something personal for me. When, when I, when I find tiny nitbits in nature, maybe some decaying leaves on a, creek in a forest where you have this oil on the surface uh, lingering away and I, I i recognize this i frame it and i try to, to, to frame it or um, compose it in a way that i find aesthetically pleasing then it's something that i f feel is personal yes and i yeah, make it mine yes yeah it's funny because um You know, it sounds like you and I had a very similar start in photography, like, oh, I got to go to these places and get that wide angle, epic Yeah, it's like a checklist that, in your mind, right? Right, like, I know, yeah. I hate, people hate it, but, you know, it's like almost like stamp collecting in some ways, like, but it, it's, it is, yeah. you know, it's it's because you're, you know, that you're getting into photography and it's exciting. And I think people always um, mistake people like Alex Noriega um, when, they, when they start talking about um, iconic locations. It's not to say that iconic is bad, right? It's, no. I think it's, it's more that we have kind of discovered that that more personal kind of reacting to things that we notice that maybe no one else has potentially noticed like that, that interplay between that personal expression and what we've discovered and how, how can I make sense of this scene? And, and mm. like that whole experience, I think that is what we're trying to tell people. Like exactly. there's so much more, there's so much more that you can experience trust me like i know you're having fun but this this thing over here is really amazing try it out <laughs> you know yeah uh, I love it's, it's sometimes that. it sometimes sounds so um i don't know if the english word exists elitists like it does like it does yeah like you have a high nose and it's like your images are uh, of higher value than the the I wanted to say regular shots from iconic places like the the more common images but sure. they're not um and um They are not better. They're just different. And to me, they feel more satisfying when I take them. But right. I, I, I'm not the one to say that this image is in any way better than the one who shows the entire place. It's just for me personally, um, because I want to enjoy what I'm doing, I enjoy that other framing more. 
Yes. Well, and I think as a someone who looks at a lot of photography, um, mm-hmm. you know, just because of the podcast and everything else, those are the types of photographers that I gravitate towards. Um, looking at their portfolios and spending time on their social media pages is the ones where you can tell that it's a more personal, expressive style of photography where they've kind of, you know, their photography isn't about an iconic um, location or the a perfect composition of something we've seen a thousand times in maybe better conditions. Um, not to say that those aren't fantastic images. It's just for me, like looking at those other, the other style, it's just so much more rewarding and interesting. And then you're trying to like mm-hmm. understand like, Oh, what was going through their mind? Like, what, how did they, like, what did they see there that I would have missed? And yeah. I think it, to me, it's just a much more interesting way of consuming landscape photography as a medium as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it requires more of me as a photographer to see those things. I mean, you had Hans Trant on your show um, yes. very early and, and I highly admire him and he's a fantastic guy. I, I had several chats with him and um, when I saw his images and I have several books of him, I, I noticed that he usually exclude the sky from the from from the images and then you have you have chaotic structures and chaotic uh, things going on in his images but they're all perfectly in balance and they're right. all perfectly composed and i think to study that and to to realize well your image works without drama your image your image works without uh epicness in it and you just try to quiet the chaos out of your surrounding, for example, in woodland photography, um, I highly struggled taking shots there at all, at first. And w- once you you kind of learn to see things in this chaos surrounding you, to me, this is highly satisfying. And to me, this is personal photography. To some people, it's highly boring. I remember when I got into landscape photography, I probably would have overlooked the images of Hans Trant, which is uh, in retrospect uh Hmm. Blasphemia. <laughs> no, But I'm the same way. I totally agree. Uh, my my eyes kind of grew into that, or yes. the Thomas Heatons, or and those images. Sometimes when when I, I know when I started out into photography, of course I knew his YouTube channel, but I always thought, well, his, uh, his videos are great. I, I like him as a person, how he comes over there. Um, but his images, hmm, they 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 lack this boom. And now I think it's fantastic. It's it has a quiet. It has some peacefulness some some calm some right. yeah, quiet in it like adam gibbs with his quiet light that perfectly sums it up and i i have a huge admiration for this kind of photography yes which no, me does too, not mean that i don't I like it. yeah and, but i still can be blown away by an image by ryan dyer or by mark adamus and say well that's fantastic image but i still take other stuff now sure You know, it's it's interesting what you said earlier that that style of photography takes more of you as an artist. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that's certainly true. At least it's been my experience in terms of it's uh, it's it's much. I don't know if the right word is difficult, but your success rate is much lower in terms of creating good photos. I feel like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the reason why we see the kind of gravitation towards those kind of replication of places or scenes that we've all seen before is because there's a there's an incredible amount of opportunity risk in engaging in the style of photography that you're talking about in terms of being more personally expressive for starters there's a lot 
higher failure rate, you know? Yeah. And I think the vast majority of photographers are probably kind of more like what you're describing for yourself. Like, you know, maybe you only have a couple of weekends or a couple of weeks out of the year that you can do it and doing it in a way that, you know, you're not going to a place where, you know, you're going to see something incredible that can feel incredibly risky. Mm -hmm. It is. But I think the upsides are huge if you can make it happen. Yeah. um, In in the end, it's what, what is satisfying for you? What, what, when, when sure. people ask me, how, how can I be successful in photography? I usually reply, have fun. And, and they always look at me like, yeah, thanks. Uh, you, it's like, uh, you don't want to answer. And I, I, I reply, no, I definitely mean it. Just enjoy what you're doing. Um, yeah. Embrace failure. To, um, take photographs of things that you find attractive and don't care about what, what other people will tell you because then you will try things and then you will, you won't be afraid to fail to have images that maybe are technically wrong, but you are evolving and your eyes will grow into things that you didn't see before. And I think this requires time. And I'm 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 usually highly suspective of people that ask me, well, how can I be successful on Instagram really fast and take great images like you do? And I'm like, well, I think there is no shortcut. You just have to to try and learn and, and and find things that are exciting for you. And maybe one day some other people will find excitement in what you are photographing. But don't care too much about the outside voices. That's Earlier I was talking about finding balance. I have always been drawn to abstract art. So I think I mentioned Mark Rothko earlier in this show in our conversation. And I remember standing at the MoMA in San Francisco in front of one of his large um, paintings. And I was standing for maybe 15 minutes because at one point, this huge painting kind of sucked me into it. I mean, there's people that would just walk by and say, like, it's just, it's just two colors. There's nothing happening there. And it was like a, a hole into another dimension that sucked me in. <laughs> and I always felt a um, huge – I have a soft spot for this kind of uh, art – And starting with photography and then finally getting into those aerial photographs from Iceland with those river arms and everything or colors um, blending into each other, I kind of got back to this to this uh, excitement I felt looking at those abstract art images. And right. it, for me, it felt like full circle, like getting back to where I actually started. And I felt like, yes, this is kind of deliberating because I don't need a defined subject i don't need a foreground middle ground whatever i just have structures here and um i have something that excites me a lot and i try to make an image of this i'm not painting i'm photographing um but yeah it it felt it felt it felt natural and and that's when when it started for me to just feel like i think i found something in my photography that feels sound that feels like being in balance and This is highly, highly satisfying. So coming back to the earlier question, how about winning this contest? That's great. But to, to feel the satisfaction in what I'm doing, that's much greater. Yes. Well, and going back to what you said earlier, um, where you said, just have fun, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. I think um, if, if, if going and photographing icons and doing it in your own personal way or however you want to photograph an icon, or if you want to put your tripod where someone else put their tripod, if that's fun to you, 
Go do for it. it. I don't exactly. like there's yeah. no I'm not judging you. Like mm-hmm. like if that's fun to you, like go for it. I just think, mm-hmm. you know, if that works for you, that's cool. It just doesn't work for me anymore. Um, yeah, but that exactly. doesn't mean I'm like more evolved or <laughs> anything like that. It's just I found something else that I thought was more fun, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows what will be in five years? I mean, yeah, maybe right. Maybe I will be shooting cars. I doubt it, but <laughs> who knows? Right, right. Or maybe you'll be like a pet photographer or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, going back to this um, this idea of creating more kind of personally expressive abstract, um, mm-hmm. intimate style, I'm curious, how has that um, impacted your social reach at all, if, if at all? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it certainly didn't help my Instagram like count, but I think nowadays it's so hard to predict or get a high like count anyways with all those changes going on in this app and i think they tried to um, even take out the like count in several several countries i don't even know if they got it back i think in canada they or or even even the us i think they took it out for some accounts i don't even know what turned out of this um so the like count is less high with those images but that's perfectly fine if i wanted a high like count i probably would have to post uh, several aurora shots which i like uh sunsets lots of color and then make a carousel of 10 images those usually do pretty good and once in a while i post those because i'm aware that sometimes i also need numbers i mean that's the hypocrite side of things yes i know but that's also the business side of things because i know that um after posting five six seven abstract images sometimes it's good to also mix it up um which kills my cohesiveness yes but i don't consider myself being the acdc of uh, photography i like a little bit more variation there so i feel fine with that no i'm the same and i think for me in terms of evaluating the mm, strength of a photographer's work i love to see people with a more diverse um Mm -hmm. style like who can create interesting work with a telephoto lens but also wide angle lens but also Mm -hmm. grand scenics and aerials and um you know i like to see kind of that that mixture of you know what people are photographing I, i think to me i really appreciate it when people can kind of do all of it you know jack of all trades approach i think is interesting um but i also appreciate the people that can like all i do is really a crazy good aerial work you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that's cool too um yeah what what i usually do is when i find something very interesting on on instagram i always go to the home pages of the artists because that's the place where they show their work usually show their work how it's supposed to be seen and um like a guy anthony spencer i think he hasn't been on your show yet in from the uk absolutely brilliant photographer i mean i, I cannot stop looking at his homepage and, and seeing those images he would be a great addition for your show one day i don't know if you've heard of him i don't think i have but uh we'll definitely i'll definitely so, ask yeah. you later on the, in the in the show yeah. who you want to recommend <laughs> yeah, so he he would be one of my recommendations for sure, and that's that's usually where I go when I find something interesting. I go to the home pages and look at those images there on a big screen too. Yeah, definitely is a def- much better way of consuming that yes. this media for, for sure. sure. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's. Um, I was curious. You know, you being um in Europe, um, mm-hmm. I was curious. Have you guys experienced some of the same? 
um, issues that we've seen here in terms of locations getting uh, disturbed by overvisitation or people that maybe haven't spent a lot of their time. I mean, perhaps maybe your own personal experience, you know, you mm-hmm. didn't spend a lot of time in nature and maybe you didn't know that different things that you do in nature could have a negative impact on it over time. Um, oh yeah, I do. I'm, I'm completely aware of that. And it's the same in, in Europe. And um, it's been quite a while when I stopped using geotags on my images. I, I only tag them with the country that I took this image in. And when people ask me, well, where did you take this image? Um, I, 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 I kindly, politely say that I don't give away locations. Uh, not because I want to be an asshole or that I want to keep my images so exclusively, but just for the sake of the place. If it's a if it's a well uh, prepared place like the named Godafoss in Iceland with h- two huge parking lots and <laughs> concrete <laughs> walkways, I mean that that that's no problem. You can just uh, call that place out, but everybody knows it anyway. So then I'm not talking about those places, but those other ones that are really fragile. And um, I think it's good to to keep keep them a bit out of the spotlight. Then again, I mean the best thing to do would be to not share those images at all. Um, so again, I think it's like the fifth time I'm saying that word. It's kind of hypocrite to do that, and that's I know. also. I mean, it is a tough I know you, one, with, isn't it? it? It really is, and and I know you you in with the Nature First uh, um, initiative, which I think is fantastic. But so far, I haven't signed up just for one very reason because I am unsure how how can I sign up when I when I take a plane and fly from A to B to just photograph, to take a truck to drive through the highlands, even if it's just on the roads, or um, share my images online, or even consider doing a workshop, um, which means ultimately flying other people in. So I'm, of course, I'm. my footprint <laughs> um, is not the best. Uh, so that's what, ha- what has kept me away from, from signing in. Um, on the other hand, of course, I teach my children, well, we don't leave garbage outside. We find anything, we we even pick it up and we stay on the walkways and we treat nature with respect and we leave it uh, as we found it. That's that's a given to me. Sure. But it's, well, I can tell you as a co- co-founder of Nature First, I mm-hmm. even sometimes um, struggle my own, myself in terms of reminding myself like, oh, uh, this thing that I'm doing could have a negative impact. And so mm-hmm. for me, Nature First has never been about kind of a black and white, do this, don't do that. Really what it's uh, intended to do is to really just instill that value in people to really, to just think about it, you know? To, Awareness, yeah. Yeah, cons- consider the impact, you know? It's mm-hmm. um, oftentimes you. what we've seen in the last six, seven years, especially with the proliferation of Instagram and people that use Instagram as a platform Mm -hmm. to gain popularity and things of that nature. And then the way that, you know, you saw it with like the poppies in California where you have these huge accounts that share the location and then then you get like 200,000 people visiting the Mm -hmm. same spot. And before you know it, all the flowers are completely destroyed because all these people that had huge reach um, Mm -hmm. shared the location and were kind of glorifying their experience in that place uh, without sharing kind of, hey, when you go here, this is the kind of things that you should be aware of in terms of maybe stay on the trails because the flowers that are here can't, you know, they will die if you step on them. True, true. Um, so for me, it's always been about 
just being thoughtful. Um, mm-hmm. It's never been about being perfect. Being perfect. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will be yeah. the first to tell you, man, I am not perfect. Yeah. I, I, and I do struggle with it myself. I'm, I, mean, I do a lot of backpacking off trail mm-hmm. myself, but I'm super mindful about where I where I do go and like, oh, there's a bunch of flowers over there. I should probably try to walk around them okay. more. Yeah. Or, hey, this particular area that I'm traveling in, this probably can't sustain a bunch of visitation. So I'm going to probably be careful about you. how I talk about it. I get um, you. So yeah, it's um, it's a tricky one though. To your point, it's um, it doesn't it doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy for sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe I've been too hard on myself on that because um, just like you said, for some places, um, you just there are no trails where you're walking. So obviously, you are out in the wild, and um, sometimes I'm. Yeah, I, I got kind of confused by people who say, "Well, there's um, you have to protect nature and you have to do all you can." And then, um, on the, in a different statement, they say, "Like, well, for this, I hiked three hours through the complete wild just to get to the spot, or took a helicopter to get there." And I was like, hmm, "How does that get along or go along with um, protecting nature as much as you can?" But it's it's probably like you say, be aware and and try to be as good as you can without trying to be perfect, which ultimately is is not a reachable goal anyways, probably. Well, and it's so hard too, because, um, you know, people that have benefited over the last 20, 30 years about, you know, not having this huge increase in visitation and not seeing the impact that it's had, you know, like if you were teaching workshops 20 years ago, mm-hmm. it just wasn't a thing, you know, like true. It you didn't have to worry about taking a workshop to a place like, Sure, you had to worry about like, hey, maybe don't step on that cryptobiotic soil or whatever, but yeah. you didn't need to worry about, oh, if all my workshop students share their photos on Instagram and geotag it, then there's going to be like 200,000 people that come here and then the whole place is destroyed. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, in some ways, people that have been around a long time, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of people that are just now starting up, mm-hmm. right? And I struggle with that myself too, uh, like. You know, I hear about people, well, I'm going to take a workshop, I'm going to take a group of students to this place because it's beautiful and it's awesome. And I'm always like, my first inclination is like, oh man, don't do that because you're going to ruin that location. But at the same time, it's like, well, people before me did that and it wasn't a big deal. It's it's hard, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's hypocritical in some ways to your point. Yeah. And I'm aware of that. Again, it's not about don't do this, don't do that. It's, it's more about, you know, think about what it's going to do mm-hmm. before do you do it. And maybe you arrive at the same conclusion. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I am. Tough. So how, how can I support the nature first? Yeah, I mean, and the first thing you do is sign up. I mean, the uh, naturefirstphotography.org. For me, there's the seven principles, and maybe not all the principles are ones that you think are important. For me, there's certain principles in there that are more important than others for me personally, mm-hmm. because I feel like they have more of a, they, they have more of an impact on my own personal behavior. So the first one that I love to remember is the one about educating yourself about the places that you photograph. Oh, yes. That's because I feel, I feel like when you do that, you have a greater appreciation of the place you're going to. Um, sure. Cause you're learning about it. You're like, Oh, what's this rock or this moss or how does it form? Oh God, it takes 30 years for it to grow here. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, maybe I won't step on it. You know, so, so I think, that for me, that's one of the most bi- the biggest ones to remember because it kind of forces all the other ones to kind of fall into place in some ways, mm-hmm. at least for me. So I would say it's not an all or nothing proposition, uh, but definitely sign up. And 
just have honest conversations with people about it. You know, like what are the, what are the aspects of the different principles that you struggle, struggle with? I think like, like I'm doing right now, being honest about, you know, it's, yeah, it's hard (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's, it's not meant to be, be a perfect person. (laughs) Yeah. But in creating some awareness and then, yeah, get people interested in that side of things and then just, yeah, have an awareness to preserving things as they are. And getting to know places, the, the one thing you mentioned as a first principle, I am very, very interested in having a look into the history of those places. Um, yeah, me in, too. And especially in Iceland, you have so many places that were featured in those sagas. And um, with, I'm not a fantasy guy. I mean, I, I liked Lord of the Rings, but I'm usually not a fantasy guy. So when, when they're talking about elves and trolls and everything, I'm like, oh, okay. But still, I mean, preserving those places and to keep those myths and those stories alive i mean that's such a i mean they they've been existing for several hundred years so who are we to take this away now right so i think it's also preserving this and having an awareness and and keep telling those stories i mean we people love stories so why not also t- and continue those stories that have been fantastic for generations before us yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. i like that i like that yeah and you know, it's it's tough too because I always get into these conversations with people on in Facebook groups where, you know, they 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 put up a fantastic photo of like a hard to reach waterfall in Colorado, and you know those are pretty rare here in Colorado. Waterfalls are in general, um, and inevitably in these groups, you know, these photography groups, you have uh, like the first question that people ask is, "Where is that? Where yeah, is that, bro? Yeah. How do I get there? Where, where is that place?" And of course inevitably somebody tells them like, Oh, it's right here. Here's the, here's an article online on how to get there. And and it's, for me, it's just, it's really hard to explain to people why what they're doing isn't helpful because like they don't, they haven't had the benefit of hindsight to see how different locations have been impacted by that sort of kind of free for all sharing. It's, I don't know. It's, and then you get, you get the people that are like, well, all they have to do is Google it. Well, it's like, well, that takes a little bit more effort than you just telling them, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like the more effort someone has to make in order to find a place, the more they're going to respect it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I, I understand those people that say, well, um, you're a jerk because uh, you just want to keep it for yourself. And, and how can you go there? And I don't, that's so, so arrogant. And um, I, I understand those people. But uh, it, it has a different meaning, and it's like you say, it's um, maybe you can tell one person, but it usually doesn't stay there. Right. And I mean, in a perfect world, the people that are going to these places have been steeped in outdoor education in terms of leave no trace and understanding the impacts of different types of behavior, but they're not. And short of forcing people to get some kind of permit or license to go to a place and happen to sit through a class on leave no trace or whatever, I'm just going to not tell them where it is, you know, and, and call it gatekeeping if you want. But um, yeah, I don't want just anybody going to some of these places because I don't, I know they're not, they're not going to treat it with respect. So that's the advantage of those intimate landscapes. Nobody, nobody asks you where it was taken. <laughs> right. Or or if you do, like, for example, the one you said about Godafoss, you could just yeah. tell them, oh, I shot it down the street. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, there's no way they would know otherwise, right? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I should just stick to that. <laughs> that's trouble. <laughs> right. Or just like tag the supermarket down the street from me or something. It was just in my garden. It's, uh, it's some grass. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I appreciate you bringing up uh, nature first because it is a um, something I'm really passionate about. But it's also, um, to your point, I think it is hard for some people to to f- wholeheartedly kind of take on. Uh, mm-hmm. and in, Yeah, that's in, where I came from, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that because it's, as, like I said, someone who started the movement, it it's still hard for me sometimes to fully embrace all, all of the principles all of the time. I mean, I have constantly remind myself. So your point is well taken. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right, man. Well, so kind of wrapping things up, I was curious, mm-hmm. you had already mentioned Anthony Spencer. Who Spencer, else would yeah. you recommend uh, for the podcast or for our listeners to learn more, learn more about? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I cannot finish this uh, show without naming my, my two friends from Denmark. Uh, Mass Peter Iverson, uh, you probably know him. Yeah. Um, who, who can talk about different sides of this uh, thing and, the other side of Instagram, I mean, he's hugely successful there and he, he uses that platform in a different way. And, uh, he, he's a, he's a great guy. I've been on tours with him, uh, several times And um, yeah, my travel, my best travel friend, Mikkel Beiter also from, uh, from Denmark. He's not too much into interviews, but, um, nevertheless, uh, he, he's a great guy, great chap. And I love traveling with him and he's a great photographer too. I think I follow him already on Instagram. Cause I think, yeah. Yeah. He's he's a really nice guy, really. Um, yeah, Anthony Spencer, a fantastic artist, uh, seems to be a nice chap too. And then um, there's a there's another guy from the UK uh, who's mostly known for his woodland uh, photography. He's called Neil Burnell. Oh yeah, dude, I follow him on Twitter actually. Oh, and, he's and there. It's like, okay. Every time he posts something, it gets like 700 likes, which on Twitter that that's a lot. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in Twitter, I've, I've never been there, so it's a whole different world for me. But uh, he's fantastic. Um, I, I got his book, and uh, I, I asked him if I am allowed to recommend him here. Uh, and he said, "Yeah, usually I'm a bit shy about these things, but yeah, it's kind of you. You can't, you can. So maybe reach out to him because I don't know much about him personally, but uh, he seems to be such a creative guy, and I love his imagery." And I think he'd be a great fit for your show too. Yeah, I think he just posted a photo today that I saw where he posted a. It was like um, a hillside uh, covered in snow with like this curled up yes. tree. Yeah. And then there's all this. Looks awesome, snow. doesn't it? Oh, it was incredible! Yeah. I was like, oh my yeah. god, that's amazing. Yeah. He, yeah he's yeah. he's one of those guys who makes me want to go to England and photograph. I know, that's right? always a good sign. Yeah. Yes. Right. If you not can make- not, not for not for a specific spot, but just for yeah. areas. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Good and, call. <laughs> and lastly, uh, I have a guy from uh, from Germany, actually. Okay. He's called uh, Jan Erik Weider. Uh, his name on Instagram is North Landscapes, and um, he's a full time uh, landscape photographer. He focuses mainly on abstract images and sells um, prints, also presets and everything. I think he's really good with the um, commercial side of landscape photography without having those known vistas, which is kind of kind of unique to me. He yeah. has a pretty dark style too. And um, I think that would be kind of cool to have, have a guy like him on a show to 
to bring a different aspect in too. I love it. Awesome. Well, Kai, this has been amazing, man. Thank you. Great fun. Yes, so much fun. And um, I look forward to having more uh, chats with you on, on social media, my friend. Awesome, yeah. Well, thanks again to Kai for joining me on the podcast this week. And another congratulations to him on winning Photograph of the Year. Having conversations with people like Kai is why I started this podcast to begin with. It is so much fun listening to other photographers describe their journey and their approaches to the art of landscape photography. I hope you too learn a lot from our talks. Thanks to those that choose to support the podcast financially over on Patreon, including our newest patron, Dan Cook, who was our awesome guest from episode 196. Thank you for helping keep the show afloat, Dan. Well, if the conversation about photography competitions intrigued you, I invite you to head over and check out the new competition that we created by going to naturallandscapeawards.com. As the creators of the competition, we feel as though existing competitions lack differentiation between landscape photography that resembles digital art versus landscape photography that represents actual experiences in nature. So we decided to create one. A diverse and highly respected panel of judges have honored us by agreeing to be part of this unique effort. The panel represents some of the most experienced and respected figures in landscape photography today, including Joe Cornish, William Neal, Sarah Marino, Alistair Ben, Alex Noriega, Adam Gibbs, and Stefan Forster. One of our co-founders, Tim Parkin, has participated as a judge for several other competitions in the past and is well-versed on the various ways that they can go wrong. So, we are very excited to implement some judging procedures, which we hope will overcome some of the common complaints and issues that we see in other competitions available today. If this sort of thing interests you, please head over to naturallandscapeawards.com to learn more. We will be open for entries on June 1st, and you can subscribe to our mailing list to receive early bird discounts and updates. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. We'll see you next week.